Hello and welcome to the Legendary Leaders Podcast, where we chat all things leadership and personal development related, absolutely authentically and unscripted. On this podcast, my guests and I are going to introduce you to ideas and concepts that show how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage and motivate you on your journey to becoming a legendary leader yourself with more impact, influence and inspiration. So, are you ready for it? Welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm the host of this show. And every week I am trying my hardest to give you new inspirations, to meet incredible guests who have an amazing story to tell, new insights to share, to really help you learn and grow week by week, taking small steps. It's not about reinventing the wheel. It is not about overwhelm and trying to put a lot of pressure on you. It's really about consistent change that you want to own and be in control of. You've also noticed that I have created a few more solo sessions for you to dive deeper into the learning and into your growth and particular specific topics that are important to you and that complement the interviews that I have had with so many of my guests. Today's guest, another legendary leader, her name is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, and she is the expert in resting. I mean, who can say that about themselves, right? I wished I would be able to call myself an expert of resting. I'm clearly not, but I'm doing my best. And with her, we are going to talk about the different types of rest. There are seven types out there, who knew? And many, many other topics. But let me introduce Sandra to you first. She is really a guru when it comes to rest, when it comes to regaining your energy. She is an author, a speaker, a board-certified internal medicine physician, and she is helping other people to really, really understand where they need to pay attention to, what areas are the areas that they need to focus on in order to feel more energized, to feel calmer, to feel just a bit more rejuvenated as well. She has been talking on plenty of TED Talks, TV shows, and she's a regular podcast guest because she is such an expert in her field. Today, we're really talking about why it is that so many people feel restless, why it is we experience this very frequent fatigue, right? In particular, in our society where we are praising being busy, we are glorifying busyness, working long hours, right? Being constantly available in a society that is so focused on digital and social media, and we are constantly distracted. How easy do you think it is to really switch off and to say, you know, I take some time off to recharge my batteries? And when I say take some time off, we are talking about minutes here. And still, we may not be doing it. We may not be giving ourselves the permission to do it. That has obviously effects and consequences on our body and our brain work, on our leadership style, our emotional balance. And together with uh, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, we are really going to talk about what it is we can do to get into this balance where we say we feel recharged, we can be the best to ourselves, but also to others around us. So it's a very generic and at the same time specific topic. If you want to dive deeper into this kind of topic, then 
my new Better Leader Academy is the way forward because not just throughout those 12 modules over the year that I'm going to be working with you are going to touch on very different aspects of self-leadership and rest in particular, but in particular my bonus modules, I'm going to launch a bonus module every quarter are really focused on some of the mechanisms and the tools I'm going to talk about with Sandra today, but we are going to dive really, really deep. We are going to explore what it is you can do to get into this state of rest. So we're going to be talking about working smarter during our quarter one. We're going to talk about health and well-being. So really looking after your health and make sure that you get enough sleep, rest, nutrition, and so on but also psychological well-being is a part of it during quarter two. Quarter three is all about building strong communities. Now, you may wonder what does that have to do with rest. Listen to the upcoming episode and you will absolutely learn about it. And last but not least, becoming a visionary is the bonus module for quarter four. And that is really about thinking ahead. What kind of leader you want to be? How do you want to lead others? Resting is a key to being this visionary. So again, we are going to touch on it. The one thing you can do is to simply get in touch with me, cmc at kathleenmerkelcoaching.com or go onto my website, kathleenmerkel.com slash membership to either sign up straight away for the membership and this adventure with me or to simply get in touch, ask questions and see how it can benefit you because the benefits will clearly be there. But sometimes we just need a bit of a better understanding. So why not have a simple chat with me about it? So enough about the Better Leader Academy. I think it's best to listen to Sontra and all her input she's got to share with us. So enjoy the upcoming episode. And I am looking forward to hearing from you what you thought about it. Read your feedback as well. And I will speak to you again in a moment. Hello, hello, everyone. I am so excited to welcome another legendary leader on this show today. And it is Dr. Sontra Dalton-Smith. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm looking forward to getting to know each other better. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure the audience are going to be very excited about getting to know you and your knowledge a little bit better because fatigue, lack of rest, perhaps digital fatigue in particular are huge topics at the moment. So I think it's so valuable to dive deeper and deeper into this sort of environment and, and learn more about how we can keep really energized and awake. Yes, I think 2020 has been a year that most of us really started to understand that just being at home is not rest. So yes, it's a great topic at this time. Absolutely. So you mentioned already what's not rest. So let's dive right into this a little bit more. What does rest mean to you and what have you learned about rest with all the research you have done? Yes, well, as an internal medicine physician, you know, I'm, I'm constantly having patients come in saying that they're tired and it's automatic for me to think, okay, well, there may be a medical reason behind it. So mm -hmm. I you know, spent my first few years really kind of looking at the specifics as far as the labs and trying to find a medical cause for most of the people who came in with fatigue. And the reality was most of them had nothing medically that I could find that was wrong with them. Yeah. And I think that's when it really started to dawn on me that there is something about rest that we as the medical community really haven't tapped into as of yet. And it really hit home when I myself burned out. 
at the time I had two toddlers and I was working probably 50 or so hours a week in a very busy medical practice. I was uh, still writing and speaking and doing some of the other things that I do as a thought leader. And, you know, it was one of those things where I knew all of what the current research said about burnout and none of that was working. And then to add that to what I knew from the, just the practice of medicine, seeing people from every different race and social economic status and educational status, I knew that there was something that was universal about rest that was needing to be further unraveled. And I think that's probably the best word to describe kind of how, where that research came from. It was really from the unraveling of what is rest, because it is more than just sleep. You know, I think for many of us, we understand that we physically need to have our bodies rested, but we weren't really sure of why after we slept for eight hours or more that we still feel tired. And that's the part of the research that I dived deep into. And that's where the seven types of rest was, were birthed out of that origin story of just my own burnout. When you experienced this burnout, what happened there for you? What were the sensations you had? How did you feel? How did your mind and your brain change as well? Yes. Well, in my book, Sacred Rest, I actually start off with myself on the floor with my kids in front of the TV because that's how I felt. I felt completely depleted, lack of energy, no desire, uh, no passion for work that I had spent years preparing myself for. Mm. You know, at the time, my life looked extremely successful on the surface. Mm -hmm. You know, I had book deals. I was in the media. I had the kids, the family, the, the husband, you know, the house, the car, the bank account, all of those things that as a, as a career woman that you, you know, that you strive for, those yeah. things that you think, once I get this, then I will be, whatever that be is that you're looking for. And I'm a very goal-oriented, a high-achiever type personality. So, you know, I have no issues doing work. I have no issues kind of hitting it hard and getting what I want. But what I felt in the process was to understand that when you are just striving all the time and you really don't adequately know how to rest in these areas, you never allow yourself the ability to enjoy any of the things that you're accomplishing. And so, you know, it was one of those things where if I had to kind of put a label on it, mm -hmm. I just felt like none of it was worth it. Is this what I've been working yeah. for? I talked to male and female high achievers about that as to whether they experience this lack of rest burnout in the same way. Have you ever dived into the gender topic here? Do we experience it differently? Do we manage rest differently as well? What's your view on it? Absolutely. And I think that's where the research has really got interested. You know, what I do with most people when they learn about the seven types of rest, the very first question most people have are, well, how do I know which one is that, that I have a rest deficit in? Which one do I need? Because we all need all seven. But there's usually one or two that are the major ones that you have a rest deficit in. Mm. And so my quiz at restquiz.com, when people take the quiz, we're able to see kind of how the scores kind of fall out geographically. Uh, we can see based on, you know, all sorts of ways of kind of differentiating how people are falling out yeah. in those categories. And so... At this point, what we've been doing really over the past few months are really looking at the shifts 
in which rest deficit people have the highest level of issue with just because of kind of the change in the culture and our and our lifestyles at this stage but before that you know before all of the changes of 2020 there are huge differences between men and women. Mm-hmm. Men tend to have higher levels of mental rest deficit and creative rest deficit. Women tend to have higher levels of social and creative rest. I think creative rest was high for everyone, simply being because most people have never heard of it. And those who you know initially hear of it think that, well, that must be for people who are creatively using a lot of energy authors, musicians, actors, you know, these people who we think of as having creative lifestyles. But really creative rest is for anyone who is innovative, who is having to think outside of the box, who's having to use their imagination to come up with new ideas. So you see creative rest deficits in people who are in marketing, who are small business owners, who are, you know, leading companies and they need to know how to stay at the top of their field and how to maneuver to changing times, that's the thing. And I, and I, I believe that's why that particular one seemed to be high in, in both. But then there were some very specifics that seemed to be just related to personalities and how we each manage our own stress. You mentioned the seven types of rest. Maybe that is the moment where we can dive into the seven in more detail to say, okay, what are the seven types of rest? What's behind them as well? So that the audience in particular can start thinking about, okay, what am I seeing here in my world? And obviously with the help of the quiz, really, really nail it down. Yes. So the seven types of rest, the three that most people have at least heard of are the physical, mental, and spiritual. And then the four that are lesser known, but are Mm -hmm. often the ones that people have some type of deficit with include the emotional, social, sensory, and creative types of rest. And physically, I would know immediately what's behind it. Spiritual, I would. Some other people, you mentioned the different personalities, may not. Mm -hmm. What's behind those um, different types of rest? Yeah, so physical rest is actually divided up into two parts. You have the passive physical rest, which is sleeping and napping. Those are the things that rest us just in a passive state. Yeah. All of the other types of rest, when I discuss them, you have to realize that they are actually restorative activities are the ways that you get rest in those areas. It is not simply the cessation of activity to get rest in these other types of rest. So active physical rest looks like the things we do to restore circulation to our bodies, to improve our muscle flexibility, to improve our lymphatic drainage. So those are things like stretching, like yoga, leisure walks, is those things that you don't automatically think of as rest, but they are restorative to the body to help keep you from having the neck aches and the headaches and the tight, tense muscles that many people have because that's a way that they hold stress in their bodies. Plus, the elevation in our cortisol levels tends to keep many of us you know, at a state of where we are just chronically causing our bodies to be drained because of those high cortisol states that we're in. And so the active parts of rest help to improve that by relaxing the body as a whole. Yeah. And then you mentioned spiritual rest. Spiritual rest is different for each person, dependent on their own spiritual beliefs. But at the core of it, spiritual rest is the rest that we experience when we allow ourselves to kind of see us in something bigger 
and as a bigger part of the big picture, included in something other than just ourselves. It's that look into humanity as far as how do I get rest by being a part of this bigger situation. And then if you believe in any type of higher power, then it's specifically building relationship with that rather than focusing on religion. And so those who have specific religious beliefs, you know, it can become very easy to get into the rhetoric of religion without looking at the relationship aspect of religion and of having those type of relationships. And so that's what the spiritual rest looks like. It deals with things like prayer, meditation, being in community with others, Mm -hmm. feeling a sense of belonging and acceptance, feeling that you are deeply loved. Those are all aspects of that spiritual component of rest. Then mental rest was the third one I mentioned as people are familiar with. Mental rest is the rest that we receive when we allow our brain space to kind of go to quiet. I oftentimes have people think about it as, you know, if your brain was a lake, for most of us, our brain looks like we've thrown pebbles in it. And so you're constantly having those ripples and those waves. And this becomes very obvious when you are in the evening times, you're laying down to go to sleep at night and you're trying to shut your mind off, but then you're ruminating over thoughts. You're thinking of everything that has gone on in the day. You're thinking about your to-do list for the next day. You might be doing a mental checklist. And the problem with that is, is that the brain is set up in such a way, if you're ruminating over a thought, it assumes that thought is too important to release. And so rather than release it so that you can go into deeper levels of sleep, it will hold on to that thought even at the expense of your ability to sleep. And so what mental rest looks like is training the brain how to release unnecessary information and be able to get to that quiet space. So for someone who has that problem at night, a simple solution could be something like allowing themselves to to just do a brain dump, having a notepad or journal, or even if you must, the note section on your phone to go ahead and get that information out of you and onto something concrete so the brain will then release it and allow you to get into those deeper areas of sleep. The same thing can be done if you are someone who has a tendency to hold on to negative self-talk. Some people, they're not thinking about things they have to do. They're thinking about situations that affected them in mm-hmm. some way. Maybe you had a run in with a colleague or, or a, a superior or something, yeah. and you took it in a way that you felt like you weren't enough or that you, that you have some insecurities there. So the way to do that in that particular situation would be to write down whatever those emotions were that you were feeling rather than just kind of ruminating on them at nighttime. And then you can still process through why you felt that way, but it's, it's not helpful for your overall health and well-being for you to try to process that as you're going to sleep. Coming back to what you mentioned before, and when we have our to-do lists in our minds, you mentioned, if you must, then take your phone. I would highly encourage you not to do that. <laughs> if you must, <laughs> You'd be surprised how many do. <laughs> no, I know. And, and you highlighted the if you must. So I totally get it. What worked really well for me was two hours before I go to bed, my phone is in a different room and I disconnect. But that took me practice. That took me a hell lot of practice. But the quality of sleep is just fantastic. It is. And that's a part of the sensory rest. Sensory rest is that rest we receive, that restoration we receive when we allow ourselves to really remove some of the sensory inputs in our life. 
And so that includes things like our gadgets, our cell phones, our computers, our laptops, making sure that you're in rooms that are dark, that you get back to darkness and silence. Those are two parts of the healing process with sensory overload. And many of us are experiencing sensory overload on a regular level and not really even aware of it. We're not even thinking about how much sensory input we have within our day, but we're spending you know, long amounts of periods on our computers. And then on top of that, the bright lights, the sounds, all of that input that we're receiving. And the issue with, as you mentioned with the gadgets and you know, the issue with that is for a lot of people, our gadgets are not just being used kind of as needed. You know, we need to check our email at certain times or need to have a text message from, you know, your kids or your spouse because something's going on. For many people, they're getting excessive amounts of sensory input because of their notifications. Mm. And so particularly with social media, is it really necessary to get a notification every time someone likes something <laughs> that you have on one of the social media sites or to know if your friend, you know, had a latte today and she thought it was fantastic? I mean, that's not information you need a notification about. True. And the problem is because of these excessive notifications, the notifications alarm our bodies and our mind and spirits the same way it would as a physician if my pager goes off. So when my pager goes off and I'm on call, you know, my heart rate goes up, my breathing chains, you know, my, my whole body kind of gets into this fight or flight response because I'm thinking, oh, you know, this is important. Someone has summonsed me. Mm. And that's what our notifications are doing to us on a day-to-day level. Yeah. So it's very difficult, I find, for some people to remove their gadgets. I, I never expected that when talking about social rest and working with people. But as I've been able to do more work individually with coaching and with consulting with companies, for businesses and for professions that require them to have their gadgets, trying to get them to lay them down even for you know weekend and not pick them back up almost requires like a gadget detox. Mm-hmm. To get people mm-hmm. to not have that, I've just lost a part of myself yeah. feeling that many people experience. So, so I do get it that I, I definitely prefer that people you know, get to the point of being able to be gadget free at periods throughout their day and definitely throughout the week. But honestly, there are some people who really have to detox first or it almost is no different than me trying to take someone off a narcotic that they may have been on for years as a physician. The response actually is extremely similar. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. And I see, it, I see it around me, this dedication to the phone, to mm-hmm. any gadget really, not being able to make eye contact, not being able to switch off. I watched your Atlanta TED Talk. Mm-hmm. In which you also talked about Netflix, for example, in, in terms of resting. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to admit, I love a good Netflix show, right? But I also realized that when I watch too much, I feel really deflated, really kind of lacking energy. And I'm really fed yeah. up with it. And I'm like, I need a break from this. This is not doing me any good. So what's your view on binge watching and rest? Well, I think... For many people, binge watching is in no way restful. It's their way of escapism. So, you know, they either have a mental unrest or it could be emotional. I mean, who knows which rest deficit it is they're dealing with in the moment. 
but they feel tired, they feel drained, they feel unmotivated, or, or maybe they just feel like, I just want to like veg out for a second <laughs> to not have any responsibilities and just be for a moment. And I get that, you know, that is, a, that is really kind of the beginning mindset of a, someone who's moving towards rest is understanding that I don't have to always be doing that I can just have a moment to be. But those moments to be should have some type of underlying intention to them if they're restful. Because a restful moment, you leave it feeling better than how you entered in. You don't leave it feeling more depleted. And so for some, as you stated, I love a great movie as well. And so I can sit down and you know watch a two-hour or whatever movie and leave there feeling inspired, motivated, mm. entertained. All of those are leaving a mo- laughing, you know, a great comedy, leaving a moment feeling as if it did something inside of you. You feel like it created something inside of you. Yeah. It didn't pull something away from you. However, when we are doing like a eight-hour binge watch of some show, most of us do not leave that feeling entertained, inspired, or, or anything like that. <laughs> what we end up leaving is feeling drained, and we end up feeling as if we need a nap from our activity that we did that was supposed to be helping us feel rested. Yeah. You know, I'm going to rest on the weekend. I'm just going to lay around and do these things that are not intentional and are not restorative. You know, I don't have a problem with movies. I don't have a problem with any of that because what I found is that rest really can't be judged from one person to another. For example, I sometimes will have spouses that'll call me and say, you know, I told my husband that we're resting this weekend and he's out there chopping wood and he tells me that it's rest for him. And how can that be rest because he's out there chopping wood, you know, for two hours? Or on the flip side, she went for a eight mile run and says that that's rest. Well, this is the thing. Physically, their body's not resting. Physically, their body's very active. But for a lot of people, running is a form of mental rest. Mm -hmm. Because of the repetition of the activity, they can let their headspace go clear. Yeah. And for some people, chopping wood and doing those type of kind of hard labor, repetitive type activities, fishing, I've heard some people say they get the same feeling from fishing. It's almost like they go into this robotic mode with their body and their mind can just go to a quiet place. Agreed. And so you, you really can't judge someone else's rest. They have to evaluate what got restored in the process of what I've done, the activity I've done, and what got depleted. Because that is the work-rest exchange that we're all constantly having to evaluate. We have touched on most of the types of rest. You mentioned the emotional rest, for example, which I find very, very important. What do people experience when they lack emotional rest? Yes, well, the lack of emotional rest for many, it ends up making you feel as if a part of yourself must stay hidden. Emotional rest is the rest we receive when we allow ourselves to be very authentic, when we eliminate people-pleasing kind of tendencies that some of us have, and we get back to a place of just being real raw and honest about what's going on with ourselves. And for those who don't do that or who feel as if they always have to censor every word and there's no one in their life that they can truly just be open and and authentic and real with, it makes you start feeling like there is something at the core wrong with you Mm -hmm. that others can't receive and accept. 
So I'm having to keep that part of me hidden from the world, which then makes you feel like that part of you does not fit, which starts causing a lot of different emotional issues because all of us want to know that we are loved and accepted and that we belong. And so, for example, I think that's probably where many leaders sometimes we'll get into trouble because as a leader, there's a, and I'll just use myself as an example, just so to keep from offending anyone. As a physician, when I go into the hospital, whether I'm in the ER or the ICU, or even in my office, I'm seen as the one everyone is asking questions to. I'm the one that's supposed to have the answers. I'm the one who's supposed to stay in control. So if I'm in the ICU with a patient who is going through a very traumatic time, That is not the time for me to be crying when the family's crying because that doesn't line up with my profession, nor is that the time for me to be cracking jokes with nurses, Uh, even though my normal personality is a bit of a jokester. If we were hanging out in the lounge, that's what I would be doing sometimes. But I have to keep a part of myself really kind of reeled in tight to stay in the level of professionalism that is expected of the role that I have. And so many leaders understand that. They understand the stress of professionalism. But I think that's something that they are not mindful of when they get in other settings. So they leave the workplace, they leave the office space, and they go home to family and friends. And sometimes that, I don't want to say mask, but that extra filter stays in place. Hmm. When there has to be people in your life, when the filter comes down, And you can say things like, you know what, I don't know what we're going to do the next three months (laughs) because this is a tough season for us, you know, or I'm in, you know, I'm struggling right now. I'm anxious about this or I'm depressed about this because when you don't have someone to share those feelings with, that's when they can become toxic. So it could be a trusted friend. It could be a therapist. It could be a counselor. It could be a coach. You know, it needs to be somebody. Everybody needs someone they're doing this with. I love that you used the word filter, actually, instead of mask, because it's really not about changing who you are. It's just sometimes, as you said, according to the professionalism, the environment which you operate in, you cannot show just every facet of your authenticity all the time. But it's important that we are, again, really in touch with ourselves. And as you said, seek support, talk to people. It's really important. Yes. And, and that kind of ties into a little bit of the the social rest part of it, Mm -hmm. because social rest, most people, when I say that, they automatically think social media rest, which really isn't what social rest is at all. Social rest is the rest that we experience when we allow ourselves to be around life-giving people. So it's the rest of the presence of a positive person. And I think most of us don't realize how much of our time is spent with people who are negatively pulling from our reservoir. And I'm not saying that it's a negative person because the people negatively pulling from you could be your kids. If you've got a, a, you know, a bunch of small kids you're taking care of at home, they need you. They need things from you. They're requiring energy from you. They could, it could be your spouse. It could be your colleagues, your clients. All of these people require things from you. But the flip side of that is that every one of us needs someone and people in our lives who are pouring back into us, who don't need us for anything, who are not calling us for a favor, who we just like spending time with them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the research just shows that adults have fewer adult friends than ever. 
because our focus and our attention has been split between, you know, I have to choose between career or family or friends. And I'm already pulled to the max. So I've got to focus on career and family and my friends are just going to have to take a back seat to all of that. Well, I understand the dynamics of that, but what we don't realize is that we have to have people in our lives that don't need things from us because those are the people who are pouring back into us. Those are the times when we allow ourselves to, to just have fun. And I think it's important to, to be aware that social rest also includes the intimacy of rest that comes with the presence of eye to eye. Because with many couples, when I do work with couples specifically on how to kind of get rest back into their households, because mm. things have gotten out of balance, you know, the kids, the teens, everything's kind of out of balance because yeah. no one is practicing rest. One of the things that I find is that most couples do not realize how little time they spend eye to eye with their spouse. They are eye to computer. They are eye to other people. And when they are eye to eye, face to face, it is when they're arguing or doing something else that is not specifically allowing them to connect with each other again. So just something very simple is to be mindful of how much face-to-face time you have with people. And I know, you know, with social distancing, that's a little bit different. But even with that, to choose Zoom or some type of Skype or Microsoft Teams or some type of connection so that you can stay visible to each other when you're working with people and not just kind of behind the emails and telephone calls and text because there is a greater restoration that occurs when we're able to see someone's body movements, their facial expressions. You know, and that's really why it's so important, even on social media, to be aware of how easy it is to be hurtful to other people when we don't see how our words affect them. We don't see what their facial expressions look like after saying whatever that comment is. Yeah, a very important message that you have given is to seek those people who pour into our empty glass, basically, as well, which I fully agree with. Here I see a huge challenge. And again, I come back to female leadership. Something I've experienced and that a lot of the female leaders I work with share with me, the bad conscious about asking for help or letting someone pour into our glass. And I see that in a lot of women, they struggle to accept help because, okay, what do I need to do then? Or who don't quite know how to ask for it and how to accept it. What's your view on it? And what are your observations when it comes to that? Well, I think that is very true. I think for many of us, we have been conditioned to be givers and we have stopped really learning how to receive. Mm. And that process has gotten us into a a state of imbalance with many of our relationships. We are willing to pour ourselves out to exhaustion, but we're not willing to be open to receive anyone pouring back into us. Mm. And, you know, for some, it's easier to hire someone to pour into them because then they still feel a sense of control over Mm -hmm. it. So, you know, I'm okay hiring, let's say, a coach or a therapist or someone, and that's fine because it's it's just as beneficial. But sometimes there's someone who is more than willing to do that and to be that for you without you having to always be in control of it. And I think it's just, it takes time. If you are someone who, like me, I grew up in a situation that was less than stellar. And so I grew up thinking if it was going to happen, 
I had to make it happen. Yeah. I was not going to allow anyone else to have any control over it, which then makes it very difficult to open yourself to receive because the receiving is completely out of your hand. What they're giving is out of your hand. You have no control over it. And so that was very difficult for myself as well. I was much more willing to pay someone to do some of these things in the beginning, honestly, because it took less time. I didn't have to do the work of friendship. I didn't have to kind of build relationships to do that. And so I say start where you're at. You know, there's no right or wrong way. We all just have to work towards healing, work towards wholeness, work towards wellness. And so if that's difficult for you, if you grew up with a similar mindset like me, who, you know, you don't want to feel indebted to anyone and that creates those feelings within you, start where you're at. Start with the person that you may choose to be that confidant initially. Mm -hmm. And then as you start opening up and learning how to express yourself with the emotional rest, receive the feedback from that person and the energy from that person with the social rest to then start allowing you to move over into, okay, now I'm ready to start maybe going deeper into some adult relationships with friends and how to do this in other ways with other people. Yeah. How do you recognize someone who really lacks rest? And how do you see that someone is fully charged and energetic and, and very restful? Honestly, it's for me, when I talk to people, I have a tendency to be able to pick up on it a little bit. It's the energy that the person gives off. I have seen hundreds of, of TV interviews with experts where I'm watching them share their great info with the world. They're sharing their greatness with the world, but you can tell that they have stopped enjoying the process somewhere along the way. It's like they're there but they're not really fully there. They're not in the moment. There's no excitement. It's almost as if you can see the batteries only at half full. Yeah. There's no spark to it. There's no excitement to it. When someone's well-rested, there is an intangible component to being well-rested that makes you drawn to them. It's as if they have an energy surrounding them that is not even explainable. But that energy comes from being well-rested because they are not working out of their own personal depletion, which is where a large portion of the world is working from. They're working out of their exhaustion, their depletion, their emptiness. Someone who's actively practicing rest, and I don't mean that they're at 100% all day. There's no one who's at 100% all day. If you are alive, you are pouring out as you're going. So that's the thing. You want to just be more full than empty. Yeah. And so it's a constant restorative process. It's not a vacation. It's not a sabbatical. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of being well-rested, of thinking about, am I depleted today? And if I am, what kind of rest do I need? Because it may not be I just need to go take a power nap. It may be I need creative rest. I need to go outside my house and appreciate beauty and maybe, go, maybe flip on a virtual art museum display and see something different that I've never seen and let it create something inside of me. Let it awaken something inside of me so that that creative energy gets restored. Mm -hmm. There are just so many simple ways of doing this. And I think that's what I love about the work that I do is because I'm not recreating the wheel. Yeah. I'm just helping you tweak it. 
tweak what you already know needs to happen. We already know we need to rest. Many of us just don't know how to do it in the middle of our busy days. Or we know how to do it, but we don't feel we have the permission to do it. In a world where busyness is glorified, where you get promoted because you put tons of hours into your workday, you're online early in the morning, you're online very late at night, and that's when you have done a great job. And I know I'm hyper generalizing here. In a world where if you, your first answer to how are you is, oh, I'm so busy, is great. <laughs> that's when you unlearn to give yourself the permission to say, you know what, I am taking rests. You know what? I have regular working hours, but I'm actually making sure I'm more productive in those working hours. So for me, the biggest question is still, how can we help society, organizations, individuals to feel they have the permission again to rest? I feel the biggest part of that has been really showing people the change in productivity when they start doing some of these things. So that is the bulk of the work that I do now is looking at how do we get the most out of employees, out of companies, out of ourselves? What is the personal productivity portion of rest? Yeah. Because I, I found that is the intersect with our current culture that I've been able to kind of go into because you may or may not know this, but there was an article written by Fast Company on my book, Sacred Rest and the Seven Types of Rest, specifically around this concept. It's in The Secrets of the Most Productive People. And you know, I, I was really excited that they caught that, that they understood that portion of it enough to actually put their own label and brand across it. Because that is where most companies that are coming to me are starting to see. Their employees are fatigued, they're tired, they are not getting the highest level of creativity from their team. Their teams do not feel engaged, either with the company or with their coworkers. They're not having the level of internal marketing that they know is possible. They are not having company advocates because the people that are showing up to work are just showing up to work. They're not engaged with the mission statement or even feel empowered in any way within the organization. And those are things that automatically you don't relate to rest because our mindset of rest has been so limited. And so when we start looking at that and even just doing what I call small trials within your company, within yourself, to see what happens once you identify a rest deficit and then start becoming very intentional about not trying to get all seven, but trying to correct the one that has the highest level of deficit. Yeah. Because once that one that actually is affecting you the most starts improving, then you can start seeing the benefit of, you know, if I was really thinking about, you know, I'm tired today, what type of tired am I? And just that one each day, try to, to do one thing to try to improve, then I would be able to stay at the level that you want to be. And I think it's really important that there are some of the types of rest that, uh, particularly in physical companies where people are physically in offices mm -hmm. with each other, that we see a lot of huge, highly successful companies already doing. Everything from not having just plain brown and beige walls to, you know, we see WeWorks and, and many different companies like that focusing on the creative rest that are needed for innovators to have blocks of brightness and color and energy that comes just from 
changing the aesthetics of the location. There's so much research, you know, I think for me, that is the fun part. I love all the research aspects of it, but that really is where most companies and most of society has to start thinking about it. There's permission just in itself that we are not machines and we, you know, we have to have times of restoration. But for those who still fight that within the corporate world, that is what I found. Once they actually see some of the research, some of the statistics, specifically with companies and individuals who are resting well and who understand the power of that, then it becomes easier to see, you know, or at least to accept, let me give this a try. Yeah. Let me just see what happens when I do some of these things. Agreed. So much good in, input, so many fantastic insights. And it's about focusing on the one thing. And quite often, this is a small thing that you mm-hmm. can do each day so very consistently to get back to a state of rest. And you will notice when you are at this state where you feel actually really positive about yourself, you may get the feedback that you are so calm or very energetic in the most positive sense. You will notice when you are in your Zen, as I often call it. It's a beautiful place to be. Sandra, you have mentioned your quiz uh, once before, but I would really like you to just share with the audience where they can find it, but also mm-hmm. how it works, just the key basics of that. Yeah, so the quiz is at restquiz.com. It takes about five to seven minutes or so. There are a lot of questions, I'm not going to lie. It's a comprehensive quiz. And I tell people to think of it as your mini visit with like your your coach, because you have to allow yourself at least the permission to find out what the problem is. And as a physician, that's part of the, the process with any type of treatment is diagnosis. And so you answer the questions. Don't overthink the questions. The questions are formatted in a way that you won't know what I'm asking about. That was intentional and purposeful. Because if you know I'm asking specifically about a certain type of rest and you don't think it's a problem, it's likely to skew the results. And so you likely will not be able to tell. So just answer it honestly. And then at the end, you get an email sent to you with all of the seven types of rest ranked as far as what your score is on, in each category. And the one with the highest score is the one where you have the greatest rest deficit. And that's the one that I tend to tell people to start with. Some people ask, well, or, or tell me, I failed it. You know, I, I'm high in a lot of these. It's an assessment. You can't fail it. You know, there's no pass or fail grade. It's just an ability uh, for you to be able to see kind of where you're at, to get a quick look at what's your current situation. And then if you have more than one that are elevated, pick the one that you feel out of those listed that is affecting you most in the moment. And then you focus on getting more rest in that specific area. And it's not, you know, where you're having to, as I state, take a vacation, quit your job, all of those things. These are just simple tweaks to your lifestyle being mindful of, okay, I'm pouring out in that area. Let me find a restorative activity I can do so I can start pouring back into that area. Wonderful. That sounds pretty, pretty appealing to me. So if you really want to dive into your rest, where you have a deficit of rest because you really want to help yourself to be the best leader you can be, then I think this is a fantastic starting point. Sandra, last question for you. Tell our audience where they can find out more about you in the book in particular as well. 
Yes. Well, my main website is at drdaltonsmith.com. So just drdaltonsmith.com. The name of the book is Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And it's available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it and get some of the free resources related to the book at ichoosemybestlife.com, which is my other website. Sandra, thank you so much for being such a fantastic guest. I love walking away from these sessions with so much new learning. So I can only imagine that you out there, i.e. all the listeners, um, have taken away quite a lot as well. So keep rested, look after yourself and uh, listen to your body, listen to your mind and really check in with you. You know, where is my energy level right now and what are the small steps I can take to recharge my batteries. It's not all about sleep. There are uh, some really powerful alternatives as we have learned today. It's been a pleasure having you here, Sandra. Thank you. Been my pleasure. Take good care of yourselves and stay healthy in particular. Speak to you all again very soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Legendary Leaders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe to the show, either on iTunes, Spotify, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com, so that you can hear more about our next episodes. I would also love to hear from you. To discover what topics you'd like to listen to on this podcast, please head over to kathleenmerkel.com forward slash podcast and let me know. You can also find me on Facebook in the Legendary Leaders Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to connecting with you again on our next episode of the Legendary Leaders Podcast. Take care. Bye.